People keep asking whether I'm back. And I, I haven't really got an answer. <laughs> but now, I'm thinking... Yeah. I'm thinking I'm back. I'm thinking I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear, did you read that there's going to be a new Bill and Ted movie? Oh, I did hear something about that. Yes. It's been in, it's been talked about for years and years and years in like clickbait articles and saying, look, they're making a new one. It's coming. But it is actually coming. There's a screenplay being written. They've got funding for it. It's called Bill and Ted Face the Music. And presumably uh, it's still with Keanu in it. Yes, still. Keanu, still Alex Winter. I really hope they get William Sadler back to play Death again, because that would be amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that because I, I, I kind of like the Excellent Adventure, but I think the Bogus Journey is a better movie. Yeah, Bogus Journey is much more memorable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're good. They're good films. They are good films. Um, Bogus Journey was directed by Peter Howitt who was, uh, there was a sitcom on the BBC called Bread during the 1980s. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he played a character called Joey in Bread. Horribly depressing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was him. So he directed Bogus Journey and a bunch of other... How interesting. Sort of, yeah, I know, isn't that cool? <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we start? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, hello, and welcome to The Good Robot Andes, Season 4, Episode 2. My name is Andy Balaam, and this is... Andy Cockerill. And the film that we're going to talk about tonight is... Annihilation. Annihilation. And at this point um, in the podcast, I give you a quick review and summary based purely on the title. Um, the only thing that I've got in my mind, though, is uh, an album of covers by A Perfect Circle of 60s uh, like hippie peace songs... Um, there's one called, I think, called Truth or Annihilation, although it may not actually even be called that. Hmm. Um, that album, which I can't remember the name of, is not that good, but it opens with a version of Imagine. Oh, you've played me, though. By, by John Lennon, which sounds like the zombie army of hippies is coming to take over the world. <laughs> um, uh, but you uh, which is well worth a listen. You haven't so been to Glastonbury like High Street on a Saturday. <laughs> you will actually see the zombie army of hippies coming to take over the world. It's um, it, it's it's quite a good song version, um, and it's also notable just for it. There's the huge sense of ominous um, terror about it, which presumably was not the intention of the original song. It was supposed to be imagining a good world, right? But um, uh, yeah, definitely. Imagine is a. I mean, it's a bit nihilistic imagine yeah as a song but it, i but think it, his it's heart is in the right place it's about it's about trying to imagine a better place but this version of it is like a, a nightmare <laughs> which i i find very pleasing excellent <laughs> i have to check that out again because i remember you played that to me once quite a long time ago yeah. anyway and uh, so i've got no film or summary for you and we're probably we're probably tired of this trope anyway i, I don't think we are no i don't think we are oh, okay i think the rollicking disney adventure thing okay. needs to continue 
It's probably a rollicking Disney adventure, I would have thought. An, I, I doubt that there's one called Annihilation. Of Annihilation. <laughs> well, you wait, because the, the, the kind of... Um, huh? The way our culture migrates down towards children from their parents. So yes. now zombies used to be a thing that would never be mentioned to, to a child because they were too scary. Yeah. And now zombies essentially belong to children as a kind of cultural Yeah, phenomenon. they do. I mean, my son talks about zombies all the time, but he's never seen a zombie movie. Yeah, because that's really scary. Because they're really scary and bloody and horrible. And Well, I think they're awesome. Well, they're not yeah. all awesome. There are some rubbishy ones, like Diary of the Dead, which I haven't seen. <laughs> I know you You have. should watch that. You took one you for the team it. on that one, I think. <laughs> that, I don't think Diary of the Dead should be named, because... Um, we should name something that's truly rubbish, like that that version of computer game. What's that called? That version of computer... Oh, House of the Dead. No. no. Is there a House of the Dead There movie? is, there is, yeah. Directed by Uwe oh, Boll. Wow. Yeah. That's I supposed to be that's dreadful. not good. <laughs> no, um, what, what's the computer game that there's lots oh, of... Oh, Resident Evil. Of there's loads Resident of those. Resident Evil, yep. There's hordes of yep. those movies. And there's hordes of those games. And, and I saw yeah. the first Resident Evil movie, and um, it was easily forgettable. I remember one scene of it of Colin Salmon being in a chamber and being like eviscerated by lasers that I thought was actually quite cool. You know what? I think I know the scene you mean because that's the only bit of it I can remember. Yeah, I thought that was actually quite well orchestrated, but that's the only thing I can remember. Yeah, it, I remember it being deeply forgettable. Yeah, but they've made like 10 or 11 of those things, I think. I, I might be really? exaggerating wow. there a bit. Because the games... I, I basically played the first game and found the control system too difficult and gave up on it. And apparently the games are really good. So. They are really good. Yeah, yeah, the first two that I played on the PlayStation are fantastic games. I couldn't get the hang of it. I couldn't get the gun to point at the mm, bad guys. Yeah, that is tricky. That is tricky. I think they made it easier in the later versions. Uh, I think some of the, the voice acting in, the, in those games is some of the worst ever committed to... To a game. Surely not. Well, Surely it's not at the level of the House of the Dead too. Uh, yeah, it's pretty close to that actually. That's G over there. Yeah, no, there's some terrible stuff. How so, could anyone do this? So there's a there's a bit when one character says to another, "I found this key. I'll give it to <laughs> you, Jill, who is the master of unlocking things." <laughs> <laughs> Plot point. Just in case you weren't sure, that was a plot point. But they are very playable, very playable games. Yeah, actually, I, now you mention it, I think I played one, a more recent one recently um, that was set in somewhere in South America, I think. Oh, that was okay. pretty entertaining. Okay, all right. Um, shall we move on to the movie? Actually, let's say hello to all our listeners. We won't name them. Hi, listener. Hi, listener. How are you? Good. Yeah, we're good. Thanks. Okay, that's the pleasantries out of the way. Um, Remind me, I've got some computer game recommendations for later. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Um, so let's move on to Annihilation. Annihilation. So we're, we're in the realms of Netflix again, for at least for the United Kingdom and the rest of the world outside the United States. So does that mean I'll never watch it? Uh, I think it will come out on DVD and Blu-ray eventually. Okay. Yeah. Um, but unlike, what was the one we talked about? Oh, Mute. Unlike Mute, mm -hmm. this is not a Netflix exclusive. So this was... What does that mean then? Well, Mute was produced for Netflix. 
Right, but this is this was released. Not, uh, this has just been bought I, by I think Netflix. This is Paramount. Yeah, so Paramount. Let me just check. Or the broadcast rights have been bought. Yeah, by so Netflix Paramount, North America, and Jaina. And then the broadcast rights for everywhere else is Netflix. Okay. And the reason for that is is that sort of they've got all the cash in the world. They've got all the cash. Actually, I'll talk about that later. Actually, a movie called All the Money in the World. But I'll, <laughs> I'll talk about that later on a sort of surface level. Um, uh, so yes, um, Paramount kind of saw that they weren't going to get their money back on it in in the rest of the world uh, because they'd had some okay. high profile failures, sort of sci fi type failures. Um, so they decided to let Netflix handle it. And, um, so they kind of cut their losses and Netflix got it for a bargain. Yeah, maybe they didn't get it for a bargain, but certainly uh, in in so doing, Paramount have covered their budget, which is probably what, right, they, okay. what they intended to do. Um, right. But that's good for me because I've got Netflix and I got to watch this, what is effectively you know a medium budget sci-fi movie directed by Alex Garland and written by Alex Garland. As well, of the beach, of the beach, the follow-up to his movie Ex Machina that came out three or four years ago, I think. That's the one with the see- the the lady with the see-through head. Yes, yes. Which was okay. Yeah, I thought it was good. I liked it. I thought it. I thought I it enjoyed it. Was um, I thought it had a suitably chilly tone to it that was reminiscent of sort of 70s sci-fi exploitation movies that I used to enjoy when I was a kid or a teenager, um, which was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, the ending was was a good ending. Yeah. Some of the middle of it I felt was a bit... I don't know. Like... It felt like you were sort of ogling her slightly. Well, okay, but were you? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so whose fault is that then? Could be mine. Okay. <laughs> so Annihilation is a 2018 brand new science fiction psychological horror film. So, as I said, written and directed by Alex Garland, based on the novel of the same name by Jeff Vandermeer. And it stars Natalie Portman, who's always good. Uh, although She's out of Star Wars. Yeah, her out of Star Wars. I, I would say that Star Wars probably isn't her finest hour. Yeah, what's she really good in? Um, she was really good in... Oh, what's Natalie Portman? Oh, yeah, she was terrific in Jackie, which is a film all about Jackie Kennedy. I haven't seen that. She's, she was really good in something I saw. She's really good in that. Uh, she was good in Garden State. I enjoyed her in Garden State. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee, who I haven't seen in a movie for quite a long time. Gina Rodriguez, who is uh, in another show that is popular in the United States uh, that is also on Netflix called uh, Jane the Virgin, in which she plays Jane the Virgin. Uh, so that's a that's a show that my wife is righteously addicted to. All right. Uh, an actress called Tessa Thompson. I've not heard of that. Yeah, it's good fun. It's like a whole other universe. Yeah, Netflix is a whole other universe. It's Netflix universe. Uh, Tuva Novotny and Oscar Isaac. Uh, 
who was also in Ex Machina and him out of Star Wars. Didn't is he out of Star Wars? Oscar Isaac is, is Poe Dameron in Star Wars. Who's that? X-Wing pilot. Okay. Short, dark hair, intense. Okay. Um, and the story follows a group of military scientists who enter the Shimmer. The Shimmer. <laughs> a mysterious quarantine zone of mutating landscapes and transmogrifying... Phew, I, I did that one. Transmogrifying <laughs> creatures. Okay, is this on Earth? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so the movie kicks off with a prelude that's a little bit like the beginning of The Thing. You know, John Carpenter's The Thing, you ever seen that? I think I've seen it, but if I have seen it, I've, I mix it up with The Fog. Actually, it's probably The Fog I've seen. Okay, so okay, so the prelude to The, the Thing is nothing like The Fog. Um, so the prelude to The Thing is there's a, a sort of a wide shot of planet Earth and a spacecraft is travelling towards planet Earth and it re-enters or enters the atmosphere and then it sort of fades to black. So we assume mm. that something has crash-landed on Earth. Um, the thing. And something similar happens at the beginning of um, Annihilation in which we see what mm-hmm. looks like a celestial body of some kind of comet or an asteroid um, falling to Earth and hitting the ground near a lighthouse in an unspecified part of the United States, whereupon mm-hmm. weird stuff starts to happen. Um, and this weird stuff is this is this area called the Shimmer. The Shimmer. Which is... Sounds harmless enough. It sounds, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really sound like a problem, does it? No. Um, so it's an area in which we discover that uh, they've sent in... Uh, like drones and, mm-hmm. and robotic uh, cameras and everything that they send in, the signal can't get out and they can't penetrate it to find out what's inside mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So they have no idea what's in there. They've also sent so in, they... most recently, uh, a group of soldiers and scientists and only one of them has returned and he's the guy mm-hmm. that we see at the beginning of the film who is Natalie Portman's somewhat estranged husband, played by Oscar Isaac, mm-hmm. who returns to her, but he seems different. He seems different in a kind of troubling way, in that mm-hmm. he can't really remember very much. He know he knows who she is, but he can't remember much else. Um, okay. And when he comes home... Uh, he then starts what appears to be like internal hemorrhaging and coughing up blood and this kind of thing. So she phones for an ambulance and they take him to a military facility and try and stabilise him. Did you watch any of the Electric Dreams uh, I've seen one of them recently. with Steve Buscemi in. Right, yeah. There, there, there was one where a military commander may or may not have been... Replaced by an alien. I can't remember oh. exactly what the, the plot is. Okay. But um, it transpires. This is a spoiler, listeners. Oh, no. Um, okay. His, basically, his wife totally spots that he's different mm. because he's a lot nicer. Hang on, I haven't seen her. this one yet. You, d- you shouldn't tell me. Um, <laughs> so she knows he's an alien. It's too late. I've told I'm you. going la, 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 la. All right, okay. She knows he's an alien, and she... Uh, 
testifies to the military court that he's not an alien so she can keep him, basically. Oh, wow. That sounds good. That's the whole episode. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that would be good if I hadn't ruined it for you. You've just ruined it for me. Um, mm-hmm. Never mind. I'm going to ruin this for you. So Awesome. <laughs> um, so... She takes. He gets taken to the military facility where they try and stabilize him, and then mm-hmm. her reasoning for going into the shimmer with a group of other soldiers and scientists is made abundantly clear. You know, she wants to find out what happened to him, and to try and stop the shimmer, which is gradually getting bigger. So, so does she have expertise that makes her a valid choice, or is it yes, purely... she, she's an anthropologist type person. So she's a useful person to have along. Okay. Um, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, that will become clearer. But the shimmer is getting bigger, so it's spreading Mm -hmm. day by day, and Mm -hmm. they have no way of stopping it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So so Natalie Portman, uh, she goes in with a team, so there's her, there's Gina Rodriguez, Jennifer Jason Lee. Tessa Thompson and Tuva Novotny. So it's an all-female team that goes in. Interesting. Um, so there's, there's a couple of soldierly types. There's the team leader and there's Natalie Portman, uh, who's an anthropologist and has, an, you know, you would say possibly a an emotional connection to the mission that might be a problem. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd say so. Um, that's, it, that's a classic. Yeah, it is a classic, yeah. And so they go in and they find that the flora and the fauna, at first they only really notice the plant life, is subtly changed. Um, okay. It's in, in the way that the DNA of it has kind of been re-encoded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they notice that. Then they get attacked by a giant crocodile. And they realise that, or actually it must be an alligator if it's United States. Um, the alligator has also been, its DNA has been rearranged slightly. So it's a bit wrong mm-hmm. and actually not very healthy at all because of that. Okay. And they start to theorise that the shimmer is acting like a prism. But it's not only <laughs> refracting light, it's refracting DNA to its own ends so it's changing things to its own it's re-encoding things to its own program Uh um so they they sort of delve further into the shimmer they find uh a place where the previous team was and they find that someone has uh basically burnt themselves alive in a in a an act of self-immolation mm-hmm. and they've recorded it on a video camera so we see that event happen but we don't really see why it happened mm-hmm. uh, they then hear what sounds like someone shouting from outside that actually turns out to be a bear that uh, its DNA has been re-encoded so that it now has the vocal cords of a human and it can call people. It can mimic human voices and call That'd people. Be useful. How beautiful, yet terrifying. Um, yeah, I said that would be useful. It would, yes, it is very. It's like, oh, hey, what's that yeah. sound? Oh, no, it's a bear and it's eaten me. So 
So that happens, and then they, they sort of run away from the bear. They find somewhere to get shelter, and the bear kind of makes light work of them with its human-sounding voice and it, the fact that it's a bear. But they manage to, they manage to take it down, and mm-hmm. pretty soon it's Natalie Portman and one person who are left, um, mm-hmm. and they are heading for the epicentre of the shimmer to try and, you know, try and stop it if they can. Mm-hmm. And they end up near, a, near this lighthouse that's at the very epicentre of things. Mm-hmm. And there she finds another video camera. She finds a burnt-out body, and um, she finds on video her estranged husband on video uh, about to burn up someone who also looks like her estranged husband. Mm. So that's very strange indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she watches that and then uh, a kind of shadowy creature appears from inside the shimmer that appears to be trying to mimic her body. So it's kind okay. of mirroring her movements and generally being very threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, But she manages to escape from the lighthouse and uh, detonate a charge inside the lighthouse that destroys, or what she thinks destroys, the shimmer. Mm-hmm. So the, the shimmer kind of disappears. Um, so she returns to her... Uh, she returns back to the military place um, where they question her um, and she uh, she claims to have no memory of a lot of what happened so they question her as well as they can she then right. goes to meet up with her ex you know estranged husband mm-hmm. who uh, miraculously at the same time as the shimmer disappeared all of his symptoms disappeared as well so he's he now seems yeah. to be back to normal. He's a Cylon too. It could be. Um, and then she says to him, "Are you my ex-husband?" And he says, "I was," and or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, he's and and she says, "Yeah, I was her as well." Mm-hmm. And then the film ends, and uh, mm-hmm. we are led to assume that whatever life forms that are inside the Shimmer, have basically executed whatever plan they had, which is to get part of themselves into the real world, into the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really it's a really interesting movie. It's um, what, kind of old-school sci-fi. Like what do I like about it? Mm-hmm. it? Visually, it's really interesting. So mm-hmm. when they're inside the Shimmer, it uses this um, really cool camera effect. Uh, you know, possibly a possibly a filter, possibly a sort of post-production type effect, to show that the light is being refracted inside mm-hmm. there. So it it looks kind of stifling and um, uh, and unpleasant. Uh, it kept me on the edge of my seat actually, in terms of I didn't realise that she was, you know, one of the bad guys until the very end of the film when I realised I'd been played, I'd been had basically. <laughs> And uh, that was a very satisfying feeling to, you know, when you watch a mm. film and and it flips the story and you realise that you mm. hadn't spotted it. Um, I found that to be very satisfying. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, very nice. So I think this is a better movie than um, 
than Ex Machina. I think it's a more complete film than that. It's got a much bigger cast. It's got bigger aspirations, bigger ideas going on here. Um, I'd say it's quite hard sci-fi. Like I, I think, like Ex Machina, it's got a it's got a serious story to tell. You know, this isn't pulpy stuff. This is the kind of thing you would mm. read in a in a decent sci-fi novel with some big ideas. Yeah, I did think Ex Machina was trying to be about the idea. Yeah. Itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, it's really good to see an all-female sort of um, A-team type cast. Mm. Going, you know, being playing place, place front and center of the action, because an all-female team will bring a different dynamic to the action than, you know, a mixed sex team or indeed an all-male mm-hmm. team. Yeah, they've been have many million films with all-male teams doing. Well, yeah, exactly. You can count them on, you know, you couldn't count them. You get to ten, and then you just keep going on your fingers and you have to use your toes and then other people's toes and other people's fingers and you know there's countless let's guy guys on a mission kind of thing yeah and this is a refreshing change from that mm-hmm. because it does bring a different dynamic and a different feel to it and that's what makes it fresh and interesting because a story like this although it is interesting and it is does have some cool ideas you know there have been examples of things like this in the past where people have kind of changed you know been transmogrified in a way mm. and then sort of flipped the story i'm trying to think of examples of that now but i suppose even things like alien or aliens um i feel like there have been loads of things where people end up being having been possessed by the aliens but i can't actually think of any examples. yeah i can't either but but i'm trying to think of like really pulpy sci-fi stuff that I used to watch, where the end of the film would kind of reveal that um, the alien was hiding in plain sight all along. Mm-hmm. And there is an element of that here, but it's handled really well. Uh, and, that, mm. and that's what makes it work for me. Makes it re- really well. Right. It's, a, it's a classy piece of work, Annihilation. Right. Yeah. So um, here's, here's a slightly different version of the question. Okay. Quite often, science fiction is about now, right? It has something to say or it's some analogy for what's happening Mm. now. Mm -hmm. Is that the case here? Is there an analogy here? That's a good question, actually. I haven't really considered this to be an analogical film. Um... Is it perhaps about fear... Consuming. Yes, I mean it's about the fear of the other. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's definitely a sense of you know the shimmer is the other. It's the other that's advancing and you can't stop it. And um, once you're inside the shimmer, the things are very different and completely alien. So although the environment around you looks familiar. In fact, it's being changed beyond recognition, which is a really interesting idea. So they're almost on an alien planet when they're inside the Shimmer, because it's being mm. it's being changed. And why is it called annihilation? I think because um, the human race is facing annihilation right. from whatever is controlling the Shimmer, because it can't be stopped. Mm. We don't have an answer to it. 
so yeah i think it it uh, allegorically it has ideas about the unknown and the other mm-hmm. and what they might be and what they might do to you mm-hmm. <laughs> if they get a hold of you so disease yeah it is, it's an allegory for disease as well yeah it's a cool film I highly recommend it cool. if you have Netflix. I'm, I'm sure it'll be out on DVD and Blu-ray at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is definitely worth worth a look. Definitely. Sounds all right. I like sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, it's good sci-fi. Good sci-fi. Shall I move on to All the Money in the World? Just, just on Do as a synopsis. So I watched yeah. this uh, last week. Um... It's a film directed by Ridley Scott, and it's about the kidnapping of John. No, I get these confused. John Paul Getty, um, who is the grandson of J. Paul Getty, the million yeah millionaire billionaire, like an oil mm-hmm. tycoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and his refuse his initial refusal to pay up the ransom. And then when when he starts to realise that he's going to have to, he goes through all kinds of hoops and tries to negotiate with people. And what's interesting about the film is that it was originally shot with Kevin Spacey playing J. Paul Getty, right? The the older guy. But then, uh, I think like two months before they were due to release, the allegations came to light of him being a bit of a jerk, well, you know, a horrible person, uh, sexual assault claims. And um, so Ridley Scott phoned him up and said, I'm sorry, uh, this is not happening. You can't be in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got, they secured funding to reshoot all of his scenes with Christopher Plummer. So, you know, instead of... What's he of? Pardon? What's he out of? What's he out of? Christopher Plummer was in The Sound of Music. <laughs> okay. Back in the day. He's been in loads of stuff, Christopher Plummer. I, I can't really think what he's been in recently. That He's a really good actor. I think mm-hmm. I think mainly because, possibly because he was in The Sound of Music, he's kind of underrated and undervalued as an actor. Right. But he's really good. Um so uh th- so they secured the funding because the the film was partially privately funded it wasn't stu- mm-hmm. wasn't solely studio funded um Scott just had to go to the person who held the purse strings and say look we want to do this it's going to cost this much mm-hmm. and they said okay fine yeah just go ahead and do it we've sunk this much into it so we just need this much we more. need we need this much more yeah um so they reshot all of his scenes that he had with the principal actors in the scenes Everything from scratch. So not Whoa. not the whole movie, just the shots with him in. And he plays a supporting role, so you know, it's not it's okay. not the linchpin of the film. But what is amazing about it is that if you didn't know that and I I did try and watch this as if I didn't know it, although it was difficult mm-hmm. at times, but really yeah. you cannot tell that those scenes have been reshot. Right. It's so well done, and considering how sh- how close it was to release time, because they didn't push the release back, they kept the release date. Wow! Um, it is an amazing 
endeavour. And actually, the film is very good. Mm. It's very, very good. So Plummer plays him as a really nasty piece of work, really curmudgeonly and um, just completely money-driven above everything Mm. else in the world uh, in a way that I haven't seen on film for quite a long time, probably not since... I found his performance quite reminiscent of um, Orson Welles' performance of Kane in Citizen Kane. Right. It's very similar to that. And I think maybe you know, maybe there's a bit of inspiration going on there. But, uh, you know, he plays him as a really unlikable person, which I think is quite brave. Yeah. He doesn't have any, to me, no redeeming features at all. I've um, I've just been rewatching the first series of the American House of Cards. Oh, have you? No, I quite like the first series actually. Yeah, it, it's good. I mean, the 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 British version is so good that it you have to just not think about that when you watch. Yeah. The American version, but yeah, it is good. It is good, isn't it? And I've only yeah. seen the first series, and that's a bit unsatisfying because it doesn't end the way the the UK version does, and you have to watch more series if you get. I want to get to yeah, I've only seen the first one. The meaty stuff, I think. Um, so, yeah, yeah. But they are supposed to be good. The re- the other series is supposed to be good, and they are. Can they make the final series without what's his name in yeah, it? Yeah, so they have what shot the final one, but Spacey's not in it. He was Spacey, he yeah. was dropped. Yes, and quite rightly, quite rightly dropped. I think. Um, he's playing a pretty nasty character in, oh uh, yeah yeah. I think he you know Francis Urquhart in the original British version is definitely not a nice man no. but I think Spacey's character in the American one is, is possibly even more ruthless well they take it further because they make him more human so Urquhart is uh, in the British one is is quite a, so a cartoon character. He's a bit of a, he's an a very likable. Yeah, yeah, very likable rogue. But Spacey, they show some human sides of him, and they kind of show how he overcomes any humanity that might be within him in order to be as nasty as he can, yes. or, or as successful as he can. So yeah. that makes him worse because there's more depth. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I just there watched is a lot of depth. the episode where he goes back to his old school, and he's got this relationship with one of the old one of the pupils there. They're obviously like slightly in love or something, and there's this sort of, in a way, it's kind of a, a chance where he could he could change his mind about the path he set himself on, mm. and he just kind of turns and walks away. And yeah, he choo- gets gets back on with his yeah. his mission. He chooses not to because the whole thing is just a distraction to him, isn't it? Yeah, but I think it's more than like while he's there with with his his old friends, he, it's not like he's thinking, "Oh, I need to get back to my evil mission." He's he's these are it's really human. He's really genuinely remembering and and feeling like the warmth of human relationships, mm. and then he just steps away and continues, <laughs> and that makes him definitely makes him more evil. Makes him yeah, because you can actually see. He's choosing not to engage with yeah. with humanity on a very nice level. Yeah. He's choosing to be evil. Evil. And not a Diet Coke of evil. 
Not the Diet Coke. No, definitely not. I notice you're wearing your uh, Wayland Corporation I am. T-shirt. Though. I am indeed. It's uh, it's a good one. I, f- I found it in my drawer because uh, there's a whole bunch of T-shirts that I've not been wearing. And uh, this is one of them. It's one of my favourites, actually. It's a really nice design. That one, uh, it makes me sad because that logo just reminds me of the trailers. Like, they did teaser trailers for um, Prometheus. Uh, Prometheus. That was so good. Well, I thought they were good. And it looked, it looked brilliant. And, it, and I then thought, it was. This is going to be amazing. And it was so awful. It's not awful, though. It's just, it has some it terrible plot holes in it. I just, I wasn't in the least bit interested in any of it. It was so disappointing. Have you seen Alien Covenant? No. Okay. It's got some interesting ideas in it. But you think it's all right, don't you? I think it's all right. It continues the Prometheus plot line. So if you didn't like that, then you may not like Covenant. But I think Covenant... But it wasn't the plot that I had a problem with. (laughs) What was it? The stupid decisions that people made. It was totally unengaging. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's um it has some interesting ideas, Covenant, but I think I think that franchise is dead again for a while. Right. Which is which is a shame. They're going to get Sigourney back. <clears throat> well, they were going to, but because Ridley Scott went ahead and made Covenant and then Covenant didn't do very well, it kind of means that 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 Sigourney return is probably dead in the water again. Right. So, um, it's all down to Ridley Scott's massive ego. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. I can't begrudge him that. He did make Blade Runner and Alien. Yeah. And Thelma and Louise. And Gladiator. Yeah. He's made some good movies. I love Alien. Yeah, it's brilliant. It might even be my favourite film. Really? Maybe. Hmm. I do love it. It is good. Well, it's great, actually, isn't it? It's great. Fantastic. I think... Are we d- so I've been watching... Yeah, yeah. I think we... Yeah. <laughs> um, on iPlayer, on BBC, I've been watching a series called... I think it's called The Mission. Okay. Which is a French sci-fi series mm-hmm. about a European mission to Mars. Oh. That sounds familiar. Um, and uh, Any good? They've just got there and it's all going wrong. Yes, yeah, it seems okay. I, I've only seen two episodes. So far it seems good. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, I, I need to check they, that out then. They all speak French. Oh, so it's subtitled? Yes. So they go to Le Mars. <laughs> they, oui. they have Le Mars bar. <laughs> Nous allons à Le Mars. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they speak. Excellent, excellent. We oui. Martians. Yeah, it's all right. Um, I can't. It's too early to say whether it's any good. Any good, yeah. but it's it's certainly not horrific. It could be really good, maybe. I have been watching again on Netflix. Sadly, uh, <laughs> although presumably at least one of our listeners will have let Netflix. So um, you're assuming there's more than one. I've been watching uh, Lost in Space, which is a n- huh. a new version of the 1960s TV show. And it's very good. Right. It's very good. So they've changed up the character of the Doctor. Dr. Smith is played by a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
actress called Parker Posey, who uh, brings a great deal to the role. She's really, really good in it. Right. So as conniving as the character was in the original 60s show, but she brings something else to it that's really interesting. I don't think I've seen any of the originals, so they're really I'm lacking content. Well, they're really good. I mean, uh, it started off in black and white. Then they, for the final mm. season, they went to colour. And because colour wasn't in use much, they just went nuts with the colour. <laughs> so the final series is like the most psychedelic TV you've ever seen. <laughs> it's really something. <laughs> Speaking of uh, female doctors, yeah. when's, uh, when's Doctor Who coming? Uh, I think in the autumn, so September, I think. Right. They're shooting now, I think. So I'm really looking forward to that. Mainly because uh, it satisfies my new Twitter thing, which is uh, calling... What's your new Twitter thing? Well, um, you know, there's, there's, there's been this um, sort of storm in a teacup about using the word gammon to describe ruddy-faced, racist, sexist, misogynist, white men. Um, yeah, I've seen the fringes of that debate, if we can call it Yeah, that. I'm not even sure it is a debate. I think it's just the truth. But anyway, um, I, I posted about a, um, uh, a news article that came out saying that after Marvel have made Captain Marvel... I know you don't like these movies much, but... Um, <laughs> After they've made that, they're going to be making Ms. Marvel, who is a Muslim superhero. And I, uh-huh. I shared this on Twitter. In fact, maybe you saw this because you, because you were on Twitter as well. I said Ms. Marvel, the Twitter buddies, otherwise known as uh, Ms. Gammon Trigger, and um, <laughs> I consider the new Doctor Who to be a Gammon Trigger in okay. in terms of you know, why, why do we have, you know why do we have to have a woman Doctor Who. I'm not going to be watching it because it's a woman. All that kind of baloney. So, um, but mm-hmm. I will be, and I'm looking forward to it because mm-hmm. the show needs the show needs f- you know fresh ideas. Otherwise, it's going to f- you know it'll disappear again like it did in the '80s if they don't keep it fresh. Yeah. Well, um, as I've said before, because we've had this conversation before, yeah. but as I said before. Um, Missy was the best thing about Doctor Who for She years, was amazing. So. She's got a lot to live up to. Yeah, she has, yeah. The new Doctor. Michelle Rodriguez, who was great in Green Wing as well. Yes. I mean, she's great in everything. Yeah, she is. Really great. Uh, is that it? Are we, uh, shall we plug? That might be it. Although I did have a, a computer game Oh, yes, go, 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 yeah. So there's this little game... Uh, it's out on the PlayStation 4 and it's just come out on the Switch. It's called Little Nightmares. Mm. You are a little a little thing that looks like a child, um, but you can't really see you. And you're wearing a little yellow Macintosh. Okay, that's already creepy. And uh it's it's a it's a three D but it's sort of it's what you might call two and a half D. It's basically you're moving sideways along from left to right okay. through various worlds but it's actually a 3d world so you can move up and down a little bit but not much you know so it's mostly moving sideways and you get you've got kind of puzzle type scenarios so you have to climb up things jump off things you know hide under a lot of hiding uh-huh. hiding from what and basically it's like a 
a childhood nightmare. Oh, wow. So some of the time you're hiding from stuff you can't really see. Uh, but it's the kind of thing that you have. Enough. I don't want to spoil it, but um, that you know, like things that things reach for you, and uh, oh, it's really creepy. Ooh, that sounds that sounds really disturbing. And uh, yeah, it, 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 I found it really like heart pumping, scary, like the kind of scary that I find scary. But I found it really scary and a really enjoyable. Okay, yeah. Way. So they've managed it to is. find the balance between. So you keep on playing rather than just turning it off because it's too scary. Yeah, I didn't actually just start crying and switch it yeah. off. <laughs> Which is probably what I would do. <laughs> but it was, it did, it reminded me of nightmares that I used to have when I was a kid, you know, that I haven't had for years. Oh, but you will now. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, it really has, it, it successfully captures the feel of that. I love a, I love an atmospheric game like that. Excellent. Um, so I've only played a um, couple of hours of it, but so far, yeah, really creepy, really fun. Cool. That sounds really good. Little Nightmares. So it's on PS4 and wait, just been ported to Switch. PS4 just come out, just come out on the Switch. I don't know whether it's on other things as well, but okay. I recommended it to my colleague at work, and he he like had to wait for it to come out on the Switch, and now he's completed it over over one weekend. Oh wow! <laughs> Binged it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Excellent. Why don't you do some plugging? Cool. Uh, yeah, so I make uh, YouTube videos about programming. I'm planning one about the programming language Groovy and all the weird stuff you can do in it. Oh, yeah. And in partic the particular focus of that one is um, other people are going to do this weird stuff in it, so you better know what they, what, how it works or you'll be confused. Mm. So that I'll be working on that fairly soon. Um I have a blog where I talk about programming things. Uh, I have another podcast I haven't mentioned for a while. I have another podcast where I, I muse darkly about whether death exists and whether God exists and stuff like that. Uh, death definitely exists. Well, <laughs> yeah. although... Well, you have, to, you have to listen to the podcast to find out. <laughs> Did you see um, Brian Blessed on... Uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. No, I think you talked about that last time on, on, on he this said, pod. Uh, at the, towards the end of it, he was at the front of the stage screaming, saying, uh, death doesn't exist. Are any of you dead? No, no one here is dead. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, I did read a news article today that he was uh, at a... Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Farm, farmer's the thing. Farmers un some yeah. kind of farmer's union event where he was doing some speaking yeah. and he said he started talking about badger badger culling badger culling yeah, yeah and received some um heckling from the audience so he said f the lot of you you're all a bunch of animal murderers and just stormed out yeah. I thought that apparently he's a long-standing animal rights campaign yes apparently so i didn't know that i didn't know that. he doesn't look like the Perhaps kind of man who doesn't eat flesh but maybe Maybe he doesn't. <laughs> anyway, so I, that's my plugging. You can follow both of us on Twitter. Yes. Or on Mastodon. Follow me on mastodon.social, which is much better, but the same kind of thing. But it's not quite the same, is it? Mastodon is quite techie. Techie-driven. Well, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. The, the community is different. The community is very different, yeah. Twitter is more... I suppose it is... It's, um, I'd say it's a more eclectic... It's more people... 
Yeah. Twitter is more people hurling abuse at each other. Yeah, there's a lot more of that. There's a lot more of that going on, yeah. Definitely. Um, Twitter's like a toxic cesspool of humanity. That is true. Yeah. But it's nothing like as bad as Facebook. Oh, no. Sorry. Facebook is the worst. Anyway. I barely use (laughs) it. You can find... <clears throat> you can find the links to all this stuff on our about page if any of that at all intrigues you after what we said. If indeed it does. Your so turn. My turn. So I present a radio show on Glastonbury FM 107.1 in the Glastonbury Street and the Wells area of Somerset. Uh, it goes out on a 6pm on a Thursday, between 6 and 7 on a Thursday. It is a movie reviews, uh, um, music, uh, look at... Um, Movies that are on TV at the weekend, uh, some DVD picks, uh, what's on at local venues, occasionally have a live guest, very occasionally. So that goes out between 6 and 7 on a Thursday. You can also listen on the internet and it's repeated on Friday at 2pm. There are podcast highlights of that. So if you search for movie mashup, no camel case, no caps in your podcasting app of choice, and you'll find me. That's useful if you're down the wells. If you're down in the wells the and you can't Street, hear the... You know, if you can't get if a signal. If you can't get a signal down in the wells. Well, and by a signal, I mean if you can't hear through the window of the studio yeah, on Glastonbury Street. Exactly, because you can hear through there. Although um, the studio appears to be facing... I think it must be facing west because when it's really sunny, the studio that I'm in gets incredibly hot. Uh-huh. And... Um, even when it's like this time of the year, there's no ventilation in there. You can't have the window open because the main road is quite close by. So mm-hmm. I just basically cook in there like a lobster. <laughs> <laughs> I pity you than the person who comes after you. Well, yes, indeed. Yes. <laughs> so that that's my plugging. That's that, I think that's cool. that's it. I think. Well, I think this episode's been a success on the following basis. I've had a pencil in my hand through the entire episode. Is that good? And I haven't, I haven't dropped it. Okay. I'll take that. Uh, I'll take that on your say so that that is a good thing. It is good because if I dropped it, you'd have heard the sound of a pencil dropping, oh, which would have been mildly the irritating. The sound of the pencil dropping, which would have been mildly the, irritating. Mildly irritating sound of the pencil dropping. Anyway, that's it. Dot com slash get involved. Slash forget slash get involved. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye. See you next time. Bye.